Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by the wonderful Rose Harding. Hi, Rose. Hi, Tara. How are you today? I am doing good, although I'm looking at the very last of fake spring leaving and it's making me super sad. Um, but to counteract that, I am very happy because we have a first time guest joining us today. It's Brenna Green. She is a sports anchor and reporter at KOIN in Portland. And before that, she was with KREM in Spokane as the sports anchor reporter and sports director. And not only that, she is the reigning 2023 National Sports Media Association Oregon Sportscaster of the Year. We are so happy to have you join us. Welcome to the What Podcast, Brenna. Thank you so much. Uh, you two would appreciate the first female sports director in Spokane history. So there you go. Yeah. So always mine. Dang it. <laughs> I'm so excited. I want to hear all about that. Um, but we got to start with an icebreaker first, and then we're going to get, I want to hear all about like how you came to be here. Cause I am really excited to learn your story. Um, so, okay. Our icebreaker today, um, I'll say is inspired by a friend of the podcast, Jill Edge who covers the Sacramento Kings. We've had her on the podcast several times. We love her. But I was noticing she was posting a bunch of pictures of her um, with DeMarcus Cousins over the years on Twitter, like last week. Um, longtime King. And it was reminding me of that game um, where Boogie was unejected in Portland. And so what I want our icebreaker to be today is, what's something that happened during a basketball game that wasn't explicitly basketball that is really memorable or funny to you. And I'll say so the inspiration for this, I'll start, is this event where DeMarcus Cousins was, I think, ejected in the fourth quarter, like toward the end of the fourth quarter of a game. And I don't know what circumstances transpired, but like the, the referees ejected him. He left the court and then he was unejected and brought back to play the end of the game. And then the Kings won. And I was like, man. What a, like I don't think I've ever seen anybody else unejected in my entire life, and also then he went and did this like wild post game interview after the win, saying, "Can't you see like this is like this shows you how the refs are like against me?" And part of me was like, "Okay, yeah, you were ejected, and you do get ejected a lot." But then I was like, "But who else have they ever brought back from the locker room saying, oh, our bad, come on back, let's play, let's play a couple more minutes, and we'll talk about it later. No big deal.'" Anyway, I just wanted to, to share that. So thanks, uh, Jill Adge, for reminding me of this wonderful moment in basketball history. I wonder um, if Draymond's ever been unejected. I feel like he's the candidate for most likely to have also been unejected. Oh, certainly not, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to do a little research. Yeah. I mean, if anybody else, if any listeners ever remember any other time where a player was originally ejected and sent to the locker room and then brought back out to play more basketball, I would love to know about it. So please comment and let us know. So what about you, Tara? Do you have one that you can think about? Um, well, I was in the arena for the historic crash of the blimp. And it's still like one of my favorite pictures because my husband took this picture of it. And what happened is that what was so interesting about it is like nobody was paying attention to the game and this blimp like half of the like half of the motors I think died on it and it just sort of like went off to the, it kind of like tilted to the side 
And then it kind of like kept going around and then all of the engines died and then it just sort of floated and it's like a blimp. So it's like light, right? It's not like a thing that just crashes to the ground. It just sort of like floated gently down on top of like the section. And everybody was like in the section looking up like, what should we do about this? <laughs> like, Do we get out of the way or do we just catch it? And people ended up like sort of catching it. And then the Blazers people came and they like sort of took control of it from the fans who had caught it in the stands. And then they had to figure out how to get it out of the arena because it's big. And <laughs> so they ended up shoving it through the door and like nobody was watching the game. Everybody was watching them to see if they were going to like be able to like shove this thing like through the doorway into like onto the concourse. And it was just incredibly entertaining. And it resulted in like my favorite picture, which I always think about every time the Blazers are like having a hard time there's this just blimp crash picture of it just like crashed and stuck in the doorway and so it always reminds me of like how I feel right now as the blazers are struggling and they just feel like sort of stuck halfway between in the door and out the door <laughs> it wasn't they didn't deflate it though to get it out right it was like still fully inflated and like trying to it's amazing they didn't just go and like cut it I mean I guess they cut the blimp well, I mean, did it ever fly again? I don't know, but that didn't seem so dramatic. <laughs> but like to get it out the door. <laughs> That's super funny. That is that is kind of an epic moment in Blazer history for the it arena. Is. I wonder if the basketball players noticed. Do you think that the players were like, I actually kind of need a timeout to watch this disaster? I can't remember. There may have been. There may have been a timeout in which they did pay attention, but it was fortunate that it was like, you know, the, the, the burly guys who like hold the girls up and throw the girls up in the air and catch them who are the like super buff. Well, yeah. like, like, as opposed to the dancers, the, the other, the other group, you know, who yeah. are like, just so fortunately, like there was all these like really strong guys who like been working out, who are able to like shove it through there. I'm sure the the women helped as well because they're also extremely strong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, Brenna, what about you? Do you have one? It, and it doesn't have to be blazer related. It can just be. I I think just something that I have thought about a lot over the years. Because I go to, you know, enough sporting events where I see it happen at almost every single one, but it happens a lot at basketball games is people's fascination with t-shirt tosses i find yes. it to be one of the most interesting human like experiments of all time you are losing your mind over a double xl t-shirt that you could wear as a dress right now but people absolutely lose their ish and it's just like Oh, like wh why? Why are we doing this right now? I don't understand. I th I find it to be one of the funniest things because yeah, anytime somebody gets a t-shirt cannon out or you know has the the big cheerleader guys throw the t-shirts, people it it is a one hundred percent success rate to watch someone absolutely have an out of body experience, and then it's like for what? Like I don't understand. So uh, yeah, I just I always find t-shirt tosses to be like one of like i said one of the most interesting human experiences experiments known to man because people <laughs> just people just lose their mind over something and then it's like wait this doesn't even make any sense you're not gonna oh. wear that yeah you're not gonna wear that 
Like that thing is huge and also like probably not cool looking either. Like it's yeah, probably- and it's it's always like a sponsor shirt. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's nothing that is your. I think it's just people like wanting like people. It's 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 people just wanting to have like their moment. I guess I don't know. Anyways, it's it's like oh, I can win something, and that like gets people really into it. But yeah, anyways, I I love watching t-shirt tosses. It's one of my it's one of my pastimes. Uh, in this in this lovely lovely game that I cover. So so there you go. I I a couple of weeks ago I talked about the arms race of t-shirt guns mm. because like yes. you know they started as just like you know a hand like t-shirt gun where you put one t-shirt in and you shoot it and now they have like semi-automatic mm-hmm. t-shirt guns where they can shoot out multiple i saw one game they trotted out like a what looked like an anti-air like t-shirt gun situation where it was like they had to roll it out on like a like a pallet yeah. and it like shot out like so many t-shirts and i was like who designs and builds these that there's like a whole company dedicated to it and a market for like and people actually spend money and buy them yeah like the arms race of t-shirt guns because like like you bring them out once a game at most yeah and that's not that often to spend that much money on a t-shirt gun it it is it's fascinating the only way you're seeing me lose my mind during a t-shirt toss is if kelsey plum is throwing it to me that's it she's the only one the only only thing in this world that would make me excited anyone else i'm like it's a t-shirt. I'm not, I'm not participating in this, in this, uh, in this endeavor. I hope you all enjoy. So, you know, and honestly, by the way, I think that if you don't freak out over it, you might be more likely to get it. It might just land in your hand. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, like, you know, when you want something really bad, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't come to you, but when you're like, yeah, whatever, it'll just like end up in your lap. So, you know, another, another strategy for all you all who, who love t-shirt tosses just not couldn't be me could not be me i have been oh i did have a friend in college who did win a half court shot competition Ooh, uh, at gonzaga oh. and that was pretty dope what do they you know, win like i think it was like five grand or something okay yeah, and he, him and I went to Jesuit High School together here, and I just remember being in the stands and being like, "Oh my God, Justin Pfeffer just won this." He did. He did play varsity basketball at Jesuit, so he was a good basketball player. He wasn't bad. But anyways, yeah. So the whole joke around the school that night was, uh, was Justin's buying drinks for everybody. So, so yeah, I was like, "All right, Justin, my friend, it's time to pay up, my dude." So did he so, ever? Yeah. Did you ever uh, get your drink? I don't think I don't think he ever did. Well, Justin, if you're listening to this, you owe Brenna one. I don't think I don't think I ran into him that night, unfortunately, or else I would have made him do it. I would have been like, Justin, remember when we had honors physics together back in the day? Okay, you were really good. I was really not. So can you just show me some petty and buy me a drink? It was probably physics that he used to get it into that shot that's you know that's why you should pay attention to physics class kids yes you might be called upon to make a half court shot <laughs> for five grand yep. or at motor center for a whole car <laughs> okay so this reminds me yesterday was the rip city united fan event and uh oh there's so many places i could go with this talk about t-shirts because i could not agree more um but i will s- share two things that happened there 
Um, one is that there was a fan who made a half court shot and yeah. it was really fun. Uh, cause you did, uh, you know, bad on me to look and judge a person and go, this person doesn't look like he's going to make a half court shot, but in fact he did. So that was super fun. But after that, uh, there was also the t-shirts throwing into the stands and the blazers were the ones who were throwing it into the stands. And I could not agree with you more. Like the, the human instinct to want something free thrown at them is mind-boggling to me and I I don't understand it but what I did take away from yesterday's uh event was that Delano Banton definitely had the best arm it wasn't like it wasn't Kelsey Plum you know he wasn't throwing it up into 300s level but uh as far as I could see he looked like he had the best arm to me yeah also I'll say like a t-shirt tossed by like your favorite player is way more interesting than tossed by a random cheerleader. Yes. Like that's it, like, at, like games. It's like, it's like the, like the, I don't know what they call them in like high school. They're like pep squads, but like, and whatever they are in, at pro level, like they're like cheerleaders, dancers, like stunters, like they're not your favorite player throwing you a t-shirt where it's more about the experience of grabbing a t-shirt from your favorite player as than it is a random person who, basket tosses cheerleaders in the air that that reminds me by the way you know the best like okay you know obviously you go to like basketball camps around the area growing up here or whatever the blazers had the best prizes at their basketball camp i don't i doubt they do this anymore but back in the day what they used to do is they used to like give out players old shoes to kids oh my gosh yes so you'd be like this seven eight-year-old kid and if you had a good day at camp they would give you these huge giant shoes from one of the players they'd be like these are Rashid Wallace's shoes and you'd be like this is awesome um or they'd give out practice jerseys I I know that I did win a Bonzi Wells practice jersey I have no idea where that went very disappointing wish I still had it but um you know, and by the way, you know, I've never never told him this, but like Todd, the guy who runs game management, was running those camps back in the day. Oh, Blazer Todd. Yes, Blazer Todd. He was running those camps back in the day. So, like I remember him very distinctly. And yeah, he would they'd give out like the player shoes, the players practice jerseys, all this stuff. And it was so cool. And I, I doubt they do it anymore, but um, yeah, that was like I that was that was awesome and that yeah i would lose my mind you want to throw some player shoes into the stands done you're knocking kids out of the way for that right oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah i I think my best friend won a pair of shoes and i was so jealous oh my god just over the moon jealous of her so i'd have to ask her if she remembers whose player shoes she won but anyways or if she still has them I, don't, I doubt she does. I wonder how many of those ended up in Steve Davies' collection. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, like, you know, if he came, because a lot of people cleaning up stuff going, I don't know what yeah. this is, I don't remember where it came from, and him ending up with it would, you know, be a good way for him to, like, check off, because like, he likes to collect, he wants to have something from everybody who ever played as a blazer. Yeah. That could could have been a good way to, to check that off. Well, this is a great segue. We've already learned a lot about you, that you went to Jesuit in Portland and grew up in Portland and went to blazer camps. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's roll it back. And I would love to hear like your story. And I, I guess ultimately, how did you end up where you are today? But, you know, tell us as much of that adventure as as you want to. We're excited to learn more about you. You know, 
And, you know, back in the day when I was going to Blazers camps, by the way, I mean, there was max six girls going to these camps. Maybe, maybe 10. 10 is me being generous. Like, I remember. Like, out of how many? Hundreds, hundreds of kids. Wow. Um, I, yeah, like, I think about, it was me and my two best friends. And then there was probably, yeah, a handful of other girls. So, um, you know, that's something that's just so crazy for me to think about now. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, oh, let's see here. I mean, yeah. Well, how, how do I do an abbreviated, non-abbreviated version of the journey? Um, yeah, I mean, born and raised here. I, um, one of my like big moments as a sports fan is the Western Conference Finals in which the Blazers lost, womp womp. But um, that was a really, you know, formative moment for me. Um, and what was actually really crazy is that I was in town. Um, I was, co- I covered my, my, the first Blazers game I ever covered was the night that Kobe died. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I was, I was actually standing in the Rose Quarter waiting to go down and interview Brooke Olsendam because she's from Spokane. So I was going to do something on her really quickly. Um, so I was standing in the Rose Quarter when I got the text that Kobe had died, which was so weird. It was so weird to like be in that place in that moment when that all happened um, because it was such a formative moment for me. And I was like, wow, this is like a really crazy full circle moment. And how did I end up here right now as this is happening? Um, so anyways, um, so yeah, that was lifelong blazer fan. Like since you were yeah. tiny since, okay. Okay. Yeah. Was your whole family into it or was this something that it was like, you found it and, you know, became really into it. I would say my whole family was into it. I mean, there is a picture of me there. First of all, there's a picture of me like in a blazers onesie when I was like very little. Um, so have that. And then there's a picture of me that is my pinned tweet on Twitter that it does not actually fully show everything that was going on, but it was during the Western Conference Finals, and I wrote on myself in Sharpie, Blazers rule, Lakers drool down my arms. Uh, And then, uh, like, I I wrote down my legs in Sharpie as well, and I wrote on my face, okay? So, like, I'm like, how did... You know, I someday I'll have to ask my mom, like, how exactly I'm look, I'm I'm pulling up the photo right now. Um, how exactly did that happen where I ended up like writing all over myself in Sharpie? Did you guys just not understand what was going on? And I just walked upstairs and you guys were like, well, I guess that's what she's doing today. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. I wrote on but I, so it says Blazers rule, Lakers drool. Um, drool is spelled D-R-U-L. Um, and then I wrote down my legs blazers win lakers lose there's any this is like the perfect thing like I assume you like have those tattooed now on your legs and arms I would hope yeah (laughs) yeah I mean it's a real it's a real I don't even know what was going on on my face like I wrote blazers across my forehead (laughs) um but it's backwards because I I wrote it in a mirror yeah I don't know what's going I wrote a bunch of stuff I wrote stuff on my cheeks to I, like below. I don't know what's going on there. And the kicker is that I was a few days out from my first communion. So my mother had to stick me in the bathtub and scrub me for an hour to get everything off. She's like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? 
So there you go. Um. Anyways, yes, the uh, the pin tweet on my profile is half of that picture. And uh, it's somebody saying, I was tweeting about Gonzaga basketball because, hi, that's my alma mater and I covered them for four years. And uh, somebody said, um, you live in Portland, become a Blazers fan. And so I quote tweeted it, put the picture on there. And I said, okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. I bet so, you got, yeah. 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 That tweet, that tweets, uh, that tweet, tweet has seen some people, but it was, yeah, I, I love that tweet. And I was like, honestly, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to that guy for tweeting that because, because it is the exact energy I want to bring to my Twitter profile. It's perfect. It's perfect. It establishes everything I want you to know about me in like five seconds. Okay. So it's, it's great. That's amazing. Great. So you played basketball clearly because you were at the basketball camps. Um, is that something that you like really like wanted to pursue in college where you're like super into it? Were you thinking about what comes next? Did you play it in high school? And also what was your position? Um, I was a very, very mediocre shooting guard. Um, so I, yes, I did play two years. Um, in high school at Jesuit. Uh, Jesuit is obviously a very competitive place when it comes to sports. Uh, the year after I graduated, they won a state championship. Um, so, you know, I saw my future at Jesuit. Uh, and my future was I would have made varsity my senior year. I would have I made varsity. Um, but I realized that I was not going to play if I made varsity. And I decided I had better things to do than run the same amount of lines as everybody and then not get to see the floor. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. So as much as I loved basketball and I loved playing and I really did, it was, it was great. Um, it was just not, I realized that I just had other things to do and other things to do in this life. And I was like, I'm not going to devote all this time to this while I'm, uh, when I know that I, I see my future, I know what my future is. This is not something that's like, you know, going to be going to change. Uh, you know, I was, I was five, seven and 120 pounds on a good day. Okay. Like, you know, my, my role was, I was always like the last girl on the team. And then by the end of the season, I was always the first one off the bench because I had one speed and that was go for it. Okay. I didn't know. I, I just, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done, you know, whatever. And I was always in, I was kind of like the one that was, you know, I was always diving on the floor for loose balls and that sort of thing. And so coaches like that, you know, immediately off the bench. So like that. the Tamani Kamara of your team. Yes. Yes. That is a great way to describe it. There are a few pictures of me out there where, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely some Tumani Kamara, Tumani Kamara in there. Um, so yeah, I played that for, you know, up until I quit after my sophomore year, um, barely made that team. And then somehow, like I said, was, you know, coming off the bench. Um, <laughs> so when did, um, when did, uh, you know, becoming like a, a reporter, uh, you know, involved in writing about sports, when did that come around? You know, what's funny is it actually was after I quit basketball where I got the idea and I got the idea when I was in a musical, okay? I was one of 30 nuns in Jesuit Sound of Music. Yeah, that was 
you want to go backstage and see something crazy that's that's that um i mean full on the full garb everything you've got 30 to 40 girls running around um and please you know, tell me you had lakers drool and a sharpie on your hand while you were doing that <laughs> um and so we did like a preview event and my best friend's mom um was at it and to this day, I don't really think that, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't totally buy it, but whatever. She said that she could pick me out in the group, which I really just don't understand how that's a possibility considering the amount of people that were there, uh, that were in that group. And, you know, you can't see our hair. All you can see is our faces. Um, and it was dark, you know? Um, but she said, you know, you're so emotive. And she was like, you should become a sports broadcaster. And I, you know, I don't know. I was, I was a junior. I was just kind of trying to, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know, whatever. And, um, that was just like, I was like, oh, that's an idea. Huh? Yeah. I think I like that idea. I think that's a good one. And, you know, I grew up like, I grew up, I mean, I think I can honestly only remember for sure one Oregon Ducks football home game I missed from third grade on, like went to all of them. Um, to the point where my senior year, it it was, do you go to homecoming or do you go to Oregon USC football on Halloween? And I was like, that's the easiest decision of all time. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, like, I just, I love sports. Uh, I was, I was obsessed with the sports section. Like, every morning I would make sure we grabbed the paper so that I could read the sports section on the way to school. So it was just, it was just something that was really fascinated me, ingrained in me. I remember every Sunday after Oregon football games, it was like, oh, we're getting the Sunday Oregonian and I'm going to read like five articles about my ducks. And we'd like, also as a family, we'd like split up the sports section so that we could all read at the same time. And I mean, I'm an only child. So there you go. It was <laughs> me and my parents, like just pilfering this thing. So yeah, I, I think it was just something that, it, it just kind of happened naturally for me. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the moment. And then from there, I, you know, I went to school for it at Gonzaga. Um, I wanted to make sure I went to a college that had like some big sports team at it. That was really important to me. So, um, Gonzaga was it went to Gonzaga for four years, got my degree, um, right out of there, went to great falls, Montana as my first job, uh, which most people have never even heard of that place. Yeah, spent two years in Great Falls. It's funny. Now I'm like, like literally the other day, there was a kid that I covered there who was a really good basketball player who now is an assistant coach on his basketball team. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, there's 210 television markets in the country. Great Falls is 191. In size? Yes. Teensy eensy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I went to Reno for two years. And then I went to Spokane for four years and then I got the opportunity here. So I like to say I'm on the West coast tour. That's such okay. Such a great story. So many follow-up questions <laughs> as a kid, were you aware of watching the coverage and did you get to see Ann shots? Was she, was she covering while you were at the height kind of of your of your thing. Cause she was like one of, you know, one of the first female, first female sports anchors. We've had her on the podcast. She was amazing. I love Anne. I was texting Anne last night. 
Oh, right um, on. Yeah, she's great. Um, you know, I don't like have any specific memories with Anne, mm-hmm. but when I start, I so Anne does um a few Portland men's and women's basketball games a year. So I've gotten a sideline with her and, you know, just being able to like be in the presence of somebody and have somebody like that really respect you and really have like a lot of admiration for you. She's been so great to work with, um, has really meant the world to me. Cause like you said, I don't, I don't have any specific memories with Anne, but she's still somebody I definitely, you know, that it, it clicks growing mm-hmm. up you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. When I, I, when I first got into the Blazers, she was working with them a lot, like back in the late, the late nineties. And so mm -hmm. like, she was like part of my formative, uh, Blazer experience. Um, but so you were, I mean, you kind of had to like blaze your own trail yeah. uh, as they, as they might say, um, what was it like being the sports director at a, mm-hmm. at a, uh, at a, you know, I guess Spokane's probably a what pretty good. I mean, it's, it's 70 definitely up from, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what was it like, you know, being the sports director there? I would not have probably gone back to Spokane, um, unless I knew that this was a possibility for me. And I kind of knew that going in. I knew that the guy that was the current sports director there when I got hired was probably going to be leaving in the next few months. And that was something when, you know, it's funny. I went there for my interview and we're driving back to the airport and the guy who's in charge of the news, uh, the newsroom, he's called the news director. He's driving me and he goes, so if Darnay decides to leave, um, would you be interested in sports director? And I was like, okay, so I'm pretty sure I've got this job. Um, so, um, it meant a lot to me, you know, to be the first female sports director there. And by the way, there were so many women before me who could have easily done that job, who, who deserved it. They were just at other stations where there was a longtime sports director there. And, um, they hadn't had as much turnover in that position as my station has had had, um, not that my station had a ton, but it had more than the other ones had had over the years. So, um, so yeah, um, you know, when I got that, it meant a lot to me because, you know, that is a place that even though it's not technically home, I mean, I've spent now eight years of my life in Spokane. So that meant a lot to me to be the first female to do it and to do it covering my alma mater meant a lot. Um, and, and so that was, that was a big thing for me to uh, be able to do that in a place that that meant so much to me it wasn't you know as much as I love Reno like being the first female sports director in Reno it would have definitely meant something to me but it didn't mean something to me like it meant in Spokane so mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's one of those things where you feel a little bit of pressure because you're like okay I can't screw this up because if I screw this up you never know what's going to happen next. You know, you never know if somebody, if, how long it's going to be till somebody else gets this opportunity. You know, I, I, I loved my four years there. I, you know, got to cover a national championship game, even though that didn't go so well, whatever. Um, I got to cover Gardner Minshew, which was awesome. Um, that's one of those things you don't really realize how cool it is in the moment, but yeah, I got to cover a lot of really cool stuff. And the fact, did you cover Chet Holmgren? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I covered Chet. I see a kitty joining the conversation. <laughs> so, 
and here's the deal guys i've tried to, to do this thing where i keep him in my my bedroom and at this point he just loses his mind to the point where it's like it's easier to just have you out here if, if he if he wants to say anything he's more than welcome to weigh in yes he is he is currently on um he's currently on a on my on a chair so uh he is he has removed himself from the chat but let me tell you he will insert himself when he deems necessary oh are you coming up here now yes you are so anyways um yeah it was it, i did cover chad holmgren i covered drew timmy i covered gosh Jack collins um, zach was not there I, I was not there when zach was there i missed him by about two years um there's a strong like spokane gonzaga connection you know between like all the sports reporters around here because jamie hudson also attended there right yep mm -hmm. you know what was fun is that i covered julian strother and i went to the uh denver nuggets game uh a few days ago and he he got in finally in like the last two minutes. And I was with a bunch of friends who are also Gonzaga fans. And so we started a Let's Go Zags chant <laughs> in Moda Center. And it was dead quiet at that point. Yeah. The Blazers were just getting throttled, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I texted Julian's dad after and I was like, I think because I thought Julian heard us like I could see him kind of laughing. And so I texted his dad and I was like, I don't know if he heard us or not or whatever. And he's like. He's like, oh, yeah, he heard you guys. He was really confused. <laughs> like, yeah, we started a Let's Go Zags chant. And then he scored. And so we, like, lost our ever-loving minds um, to the point where people were, like, turning around in the stands and laughing at us. But anyways, yeah, it was uh, that was a good time. So, yeah, I, I did a lot of cool things in Spokane. And then it was it was just, you know, sometimes, you know, when it's time to go and it was time to go. Well, super exciting that you were able to come back home. Mm -hmm. um, before we start talking about the Blazers, like any like sort of big highlights of things that you covered, got to do, I mean, covering a Gonzaga National Championship game, probably exciting. I know you just got back from the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if you've done that before, but maybe give us a couple little highlights of things that you've covered over the years. Well, I mean, I think the number one thing that will probably never be topped is um, being in the building for the Jalen Suggs shot in the final four against UCLA, where he hit the half court game winner. That was awesome. Um, and I was like the way that it worked for um, that year, because that was the bubble year was that you had to be in order to be down, like on the floor um, and not either in the nosebleeds or simply not allowed in the arena. You had to be one of five people that the team tapped the to to come to be able to be on that media row. And so thankfully I was one of the five that got tapped to be on media row. Um, so that was just an awesome thing to be a part of. It was so cool. It was just it's was it's, it an empty arena? Um no. It? Okay. It was like it was like half half. Yeah, and then it was it was it was cut in half too. So they they had the court, they didn't have the court going like the length of the football field because it was in Lucas Oil. They had it going the other way. Okay. So it was cut in half and then it was half of that, I think. So it was like really hard to get in that year. So that was really awesome to be a part of. The Gardner Minshew year was really fun. Oh, at WSU. That was such a fun year. You know, yeah, covering the Super Bowl was really awesome. 
that was super that was you know something super different and honestly by the way the best way to cover a super bowl because you don't have to be stressed out about actually covering a team because that's a whole other level like if you're a san francisco or kansas city sportscaster you have so much on your plate to try to do in those in those days and it's i mean as somebody who did it in indy for that final four i mean i was i spent 10 days in indianapolis it's a lot of work being attached to a team because you were like attached to a team and so you were laser focused on every bringing every yeah. story about that team and so at the super bowl you weren't connected to a team no it was just like hey go do live shots for a bunch of stations around the country what does that mean so basically we would so the company that owns coin is called Nexstar. Nexstar owns the most stations in the country. So we go to the Super Bowl and basically say to all those stations, "Hey, if you want a live shot, sign up for a time and then we'll have somebody go live for you." So I would sit in a chair at night and just go, I'd do like 20 live shots in a row around the country. Oh my God. Um so yeah, so it'd be like, all right, you're in Honolulu. You're in. I, I was I was on air in Evansville when the Super Bowl went final. Evansville, Indiana. I went live in New York City. So those sort of things. So they'd be uh, like, uh, so now to you know for what's going update on what's going on with the Super Bowl, we're going live to Brenna Green and yeah, and we'd have we'd have two topics every day. So it's like you'd have you you the station would pick what topic they wanted. And then we would have something prepared and ready. So it'd be like, okay, we'd have like a more like newsy angle topic. And then we'd have a sports angle topic. And so the station would pick what they wanted. Um, so they'd get in your ear and they'd be like, all right, this is the subject we're doing. And you're like, okay, great. Did you wear like a different hat for like every city? And they switch so you <laughs> what the What you do is um, we have different mic flags. Oh, the thing on the thing that says like, k-a-t-u or k-o-i-n okay exactly yes so part of the part of the thing you would have to do is you'd you'd have like a list and then i would just line up my mic flags in between live shots so it'd be like all right you know so i just i just have each one in a row um and then just switch them out put them on switch them out put them on you know whatever um so so yeah that's kind of how we how, how you manage that and how you make it look more personalized to the station. So does that mean that you're the only person from like your parent company that went to the Super Bowl and you did all the live shots? Okay. So there was that more than there's one of three shifts. There. There's a morning shift, there's a midday shift, and then there's a night shift. So each shift has two people. So there were six on air people who went to the Super Bowl. That's kind of how that how that works. But that's yes. great. You got to be one of them because you're if your organization is huge, yeah. like so it's it's really it's something that is, you know, competitive to get. And um yeah, I'm really I'm really thankful for the experience. It was really it was really awesome, really fun. And it was cool to just be around a team of people where everybody was really appreciated and um yeah, it just it went so smoothly. Um so yeah, definitely the Super Bowl is a highlight. How about WAP Wreath's first uh play as a full uh contracted uh nba there we go that's it that's it 
definitely in the top five. Um, I was so bummed that they snuck him in after a timeout because we were like so ready in the arena to just like go wild when they put yeah. him in, like at a timeout. We we're like, oh, he's standing up. They're gonna put him in. They're gonna put him in. And then they did a timeout, and we were like, ah, we don't, we didn't get to cheer for him. Yeah, that kind of takes the takes the life out of it. I mean. I will say that that Damian Lillard game uh, a few weeks ago, that's up there, man. That was so cool to be a part of and be in the arena for like, it actually kind of made me sad because it was like, man, we are not going to see this arena like this again for quite some time. Um, But that was so fun to be a part of that. That's definitely up there. I mean, just, you know, it was only a year, but being able to say that I covered Damien, I mean, I was at Damien's pre-draft workout. I was an intern at Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Oh, wow. So, so it was a cool bookend sort of thing for me where it was like I was there at the very beginning and I was there at the very end. And I'm really thankful for that. So um, that was really um, that was really awesome. You were at his pre-draft workout? Mm-hmm. Like, were you, like, you guys didn't get to watch it, right? Were no. you there afterwards? Afterwards, yeah. What do you remember about, like, that first time talking? Do you remember anything about the first time talking to him? Did, was everybody like, whoa. I can, this, all I remember is that the camera was working before I got there, and then the camera wasn't working when I got there, and I felt awful. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Well, wasn't great. That one kind of just, that kind of just took over. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, no, he was, um that that was that was really cool to say I was a part of that and you know I was at that at that draft uh at that draft day when they drafted them and and all that sort of stuff so um yeah it was a very very cool thing to be like I was there at the very beginning and there at the very end so were um, you there when they drafted Scoot yes yeah I was in the building for that yep so you'll have that yes yes exactly from one era to another um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I was I was uh, in Reno when they were having their their NCAA tournament teams a few years back with Eric Musselman, and they had that crazy comeback against Cincinnati in the NCAA tournament, where like it was like one of the biggest comebacks in NCAA tournament history. I was not in the building, unfortunately, for that, but that was still like so cool to cover. That was that was that was really fun. So, you know, I've got I've I've had a lot of good things. I am hmm, looking forward to an Oregon Ducks college football playoff run this next year. Okay. Okay. Um, it's happening. We're willing it into existence. We're covering a college football playoff. It's going to happen. They're going to win it all. We're going to cover a college football national championship game. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just willing it into existence right now. So. Well, you're talking to two ducks. Yes. Yeah. We're, this is a two duck podcast and I'm from Eugene. So it's like, even if I didn't go to this school, which I did like, I'm born into that school. <laughs> um, but I will say, like, I, I have been, like, so I went to the University of Oregon 2001 to 2005, which is when a lot of that, the program started to really transform. Um, that was, like, when they they changed to the O, <laughs> and they did, a, they did a lot of, like, really big branding things. Um, it was, like, the end of the um, uh, Bilotti era into the Chip Kelly era. And I'll say, I thought it was going to happen multiple times in my life. I thought it was going to happen with the, like, so, you know, they did end up playing for a championship um, in the Chip Kelly era. And I, I've never felt worse in my life, probably when they didn't hit that field goal. Um, 
And I think about how it seems like they are like, I feel like in the national consciousness, it feels like they've already won one, but they haven't because they had been so dominant for so long. And it was like, that was like, pre, like, the, like when they started to change that program a lot, um, it was like, you know, it was like, that was pre like FBS, I think even like it was before they had the, it was before they had the, the like the FBS, BCS, like, I don't remember all the names for all the things, but like, you know, like there were definitely years where um, we could have played for a championship with Joey Harrington. We could have played for a championship with several other quarterbacks. And here we are sitting here as just we played for one championship one time. I was I was at that Oregon Auburn game, man. Mm, may have had may have had a bit of a meltdown afterwards. Um, <laughs> I was 18. Whatever. I guess I was technically 19. I just turned 19. Whatever. I don't care. It, it was, uh, I feel like when it happens, it will feel like a little bit of a relief for people who grew up Duck fans, because it feels like it's, we've been there for like 20 years, knocking on the door of give us a national championship. Um, cause remember there was that year, I think where we basically played for third against Colorado. I think we, we played for basically third against Colorado, where we, we blew Colorado out and then the national championship game, somebody else got blown out and everyone was like, Oh, I really should have been Oregon in that game. It's like, well. Yeah, it wasn't, though. And that was like back when it was really hard to be ranked well in like the pack. I don't know if it was 10 or 12 then. Um, like it was really hard to be ranked well. And yeah, because that was before Colorado was in our was in our conference. Um, and it was like it felt really bad because there was very little cross conference play at that point. You know, all these like all these conferences were ranked by eyes that all lived on the like east of the Mississippi and it was felt very unfair to be out West and look, they finally killed our conference. Yeah. Those are, those are kind of some, I guess, kind of some career highlights, you know, there, but there's, there's many more to come. Like I said, like covering a college, college football national championship. Okay. It's coming. It's happening. All right. Despite yeah. all of your amazing experiences up to this point you're still like kind of early career there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of like events left to cover there's still a lot of things like in montana like that i loved covering that were just so awesome that you know like i you know i think about um there was a the smallest classification of schools there is called class c and there was a uh state championship game between two res schools and that was like the coolest thing ever like all the teams came out to drums. Like both teams came out to drums. The game was sold out in the third place game. Like you couldn't get in. I had to like flash my credential to get into one of the, one of the cops. I was like, you got to let me in. I'm media. And they were like, fine. You know, <laughs> like, so like that sort of stuff. You know, I, I still have, I still have a lot of like really fond memories from small things. I, I don't like to discount those sort of things because they're what, they're what got me here. And I'm really, really thankful for that. So. It's a reminder too that like the wins and losses are not no. always the heart of what we watch sports for, especially right now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? There's so much to cover besides whether or not the team won the game or lost the game and, and how and, and what happened. There's there's so many other things to cover. And 
to, to move us back to the Blazers a little bit, this is, you know, obviously one of those years where um, the wins are not stacking up, but I imagine there's still plenty of interesting things to cover. So I'm just wondering from your point of view, you know, as media, what are some of the things that, you know, you've like felt really good about being able to cover this year that, you know, the people have reacted well to, or that you've really enjoyed getting to cover? I wish the draft was better this year. Um, <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it'll be a sleeper draft. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would be more, I, I, that would be really fun to cover if it was a better draft this year. But unfortunately, it's just kind of nah, draft class. Um, we were having a conversation about it actually at the Nuggets game with a few other media members about how like, you know, sometimes the draft is like, Oh, like the top isn't great, but actually the back half is kind of good or something like that. This this is just a universally panned draft class. God, I don't I don't know. I I feel like all of that hopefully is being used as fodder for all those players who are hearing it. Like all those people in 2020 who had to sit for around for an extra three months and hear how bad their draft class was. You know, it's just like I don't know. Also, as part of it is just like I'm a Blazer fan, and we're gonna get a high draft pick, so I have to somehow like talk yes. myself into it being a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But totally. I'm still gonna be hopeful. I'm still gonna be hopeful. Also, one of the things I like about a bad draft, like a like a I don't want to say a bad draft class, a a, a draft class that is per- that is perceived to not be like quite as good, is there's a lot of great opportunity to like find to find players that. um you know, are like sort of under the radar. Like you can, it's like, it's like thrifting a little bit. Like, you know, you like can go looking for buried treasure. Um, And cause a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the strongest draft classes come from those like marquee schools and college basketball where, you know, it's like you, everybody's looking at where the best players are coming out of the best programs. But sometimes there are really wonderful players in programs that are not those top tier programs that like Damian Lillard came from, you know, Weber State and CJ McCollum came from Lehigh. And all of these are the types of programs that like, if they like in strong draft class years might not get as much attention from scouts and from teams. If there was like three great guys from Kentucky, three great guys from, from UNC, three great guys from Duke all coming out all at the same time. Like it's, it's, I think it's like, it's more interesting for like those guys that maybe from like non-traditional backgrounds or like four-year guys, guys that like oftentimes like are not perceived to be as good of prospects because they are coming out in like at 22 or 23 instead of like 19. I will say like covering the pre-draft process last year was really fun. Just like getting to know random people. I mean, not that you're really getting to know someone in a five minute interview, but like I love Oscar Shibway, my friends, that guy rules. Like, that was the most electric pre-draft interview I have ever been a part of. Like by the end of it, everyone was like, can you guys just draft him off of vibes alone? Like he rocks. Um, So, you know, like, like that's really cool. Like the random people you encounter that you would have never, never encountered um, unless they were standing right in front of your camera. So that was really fun. Um, you know, and I, and I, I really liked, you know, I really liked everybody that we talked to last year. Um, they were generally like pretty cool. Now, of course, are they going to be turning it on because there's a camera in front of them? Yes. I'm aware of that. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, not stupid, but, um, but that was, that was, that was a fun process to be a part of last year. Um, 
I mean, yeah, like I said, definitely the highlight of covering the Blazers this season has been as was that Damian Lillard game. I I think um I just you know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, like I haven't been at a ton of games this year because part of my job is that I have to kind of be at everything. And so you're going to prioritize teams that are playing better. So, you know, for me, like I've been, you know, this is crazy. I think it was. I'm pretty sure that Damian Lillard game was technically the first, first technical. Maybe there was another game I was at. It's hard to remember anything this it's season. It's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Um, I know that like the first game of the season, it was on a Friday. That's not good for us in TV because that means it's a Friday during high school football season. Mm -hmm. So you can't just, so if you take me and my photographer off of high school football and put us on the blazers, that is disastrous. It just can't happen. So like literally what happened was I went and did live shots at the blazers in the four and the five o'clock shows, went to the bathroom, completely changed my outfit. Because, you know, these are things that people don't think about. I can't wear what I'm wearing at a Blazers game to go cover a high school football game in October. Like, I got I got layers, okay? They are important. And so, yeah, I had to, like, completely change and then leave the arena and go straight to one high school football game. And then I went to another high school football game. And then I came back and I anchored. So it was like I was at the Blazers game to start the season, but I wasn't actually at it because I left at, like, I don't know, like 615, 630. <laughs> um, Are you, do you think you'll, like, will you be able to attend as a fan ever again? Like, has being a sports you know, person has that. Oh yeah. That's something that's in interesting. That? It's weird. Um, I mean, I was at, I was at the Denver Nuggets game as a fan, quote mm -hmm. unquote. Um, but it is, it is something that in a weird way kind of gets beaten out of you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the impression that I get from, from a lot of people who who cover them is it just it, it's more like you become sort of numb to everything yeah. that's going on <laughs> I mean you know I went to like a Gonzaga game um this past year as a fan um and that was like okay this is a little weird I think I can handle it but this is a little weird still as well um I don't know I, I think it's something that I can still cheer and like get into it and get excited but um I think I also like always keep in mind, especially if it's a team I actually cover, I always kind of keep in mind to keep it a little like muted, you know? And like, I feel weird even, and I, I didn't do it for the Nuggets game. I was thinking about it, but I was like, I just can't. I feel weird wearing like stuff of the team I cover to a game. So I have some red and black Nikes that I love, and that's what I wore instead. You know, um, I just feel weird, like wearing blazers. I, it's, and it's something that's kind of one of those things in sports media. You're not really supposed to wear gear of teams you cover because that then shows some things, you know, it's like, are you covering them objectively? Are, are you, you biased? Yeah. Are yeah, you... exactly. And I mean, yeah, of course I grew up a fan, but that doesn't mean I can't look at things like with 
an objective lens and be like, okay, like this is not okay. This is okay. You know, whatever I, I can do that. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like even like going to that Gonzaga game that I went to, it felt weird wearing Gonzaga gear. It was like, Oh, okay. Like I, I guess I can do this. I guess I can like, <laughs> okay. I want to pivot to a completely non-objective thing. Please. Um, yes. <laughs> and that is, uh, Rose and I, uh, you know, periodically check in about the, we have a take awards, mm-hmm. the what awards, which we give out every year. This is our third year. Um, and we love to talk to people who get, you know, a different view of the team than we yes. do. So we're just going to kind of run down the awards and whether or not you, if you have any observations mm-hmm. on, on any of these, um, you want to take turns. I've been talking this whole time. Rose. <laughs> I kind of monopolated today. Uh, I mean, that's fine. I'm a little under the weather today, so I appreciate you talking a lot, Tara. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so I will say that it, uh, it changes, it probably changes whether or not you have like some insight in some of these awards, if you don't get to go to the arena very often, because some of the stuff is like not actually (laughs) basketball related, I'll say, um, it's not basketball related. Um, but one, so I'll say the first award that we are going to give out this year, and this is a slight, we, we always give out a fashion award for, for Blazer Fashion, um, and we have changed it a little bit year to year. And this year, it is most improved fits. So guys who really stepped up their fashion game between last season and this season. Um, or actually, maybe it's even from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Isn't that what we decided? Because there's so many new guys. Yeah. Um. So we want to know if you have any insights or if you have any thoughts about guys um, fits this year. Oh, and yes. often we're, we're, we're referring to like their like walk-in outfits um, and, and they're off and also off off court fashion. Um, you know, obviously we don't see a lot of their off court fashion necessarily if they're not walking to and from um, games, but um, this is easy for me. It's Jabari Walker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Feel like he's walking away with it. <laughs> yes. Jabari. Shab- Jabari Walker is walking away with it. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he, you could tell he has taken a vested interest in his style this year. I know that he hired a stylist. I think it's the same one as Jeremy Grant. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's investing in his fits. So I respect it. You go for it, buddy. It's definitely him. It's just, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if anybody else can really hold a candle right now. That's interesting. We knew that. So we knew that Brooke had reported that he hired a stylist this year, but I did not know that it was likely the same as Jeremy Grant's stylist, which is lovely because they both have great style, but like, you'd never know that that's the same stylist doing them because they put a lot of like, they inject a lot of who the player is in their style. They have like Jeremy and Jabari have very different styles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely different. Definitely different. Tara's awesome. really paying attention to like which guys are like wearing non non like sweats basically because <laughs> everyone's wearing well, like sweatsuits. We love us. So yeah, there's a lot of sweatsuits on this team, man. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot. You want to know who's not winning it? Anthony Simons. Okay, I love you, buddy. Uh, or Malcolm Brogdon. Or Malcolm. Love him oh, too. God. Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon does not care. He does not care, and I respect someone who just does him, and that is definitely Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon and Jarrett Allen belong in like a whole tier of NBA fashion of guys who just wear their weekend street clothes to and from the game. They're wearing like 
stockers and like functional hoodies and like they maybe have like a little like tiny kit but it's not fancy it's not like a, some louis vuitton flashy like it's from they're target holding in. yeah it's from target it's from a practical as a practical purchase very practical purchase i although i i'm gonna put in a plug because we can't just hand it to, to jabari i've been watching scoot and one of the things that i've seen evolve in scoot is him kind of uh, like he was wearing a sweatsuit the other day and it was a sweatsuit, but it wasn't really a sweatsuit. It was like definitely like made out of like sweatsuit material, but it didn't have elastic around the cuffs. It had, you know, pants that flowed and then it had um, a zipper and it had like a mock turtleneck and it fit him so beautifully that it's kind of like I watching guys as they get more tailored, I think is kind of an interesting thing to watch. And it's like one thing to just like put on an outfit, but then like to step it up and like to go with like the things, you know, like are tailored for you. This, I'm just going to keep my eye on him. I liked the sweatsuits that him and Shade and Sharp wore for the Rising Stars game. They looked cute. They looked they great. They you looked really good. good. <laughs> they did. I, I actually am. Um, for the most part, very impressed with how the guys are, are doing this year, especially the young guys. The young guys are actually the ones who are bringing it and which yep. I think is fun. Yep. Okay. The next one is a hard one. Um, Bench celebrator man of the year. It means a lot to us, but it's also extremely hard because obviously if something exciting is going on, you're watching the court. You're not necessarily watching the bench. So we have to force ourselves to watch the bench. And this, there doesn't seem to be yet with this group, a culture of like come, trying to come up with on purpose bench celebrations, yeah. but maybe we've missed something. Is there talk in the locker rooms? You know, <laughs> are, they, are, are they, are they, are they going to roll out something to us? Any insider information? <laughs> this is not a super, it's like a team that really likes each other, but it's not a super emotive team. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of like, yeah, like you said, there's 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 nothing that's like really crazy. I do very much enjoy Thibel's mic'd ups. I always find those to be interesting. Um, so maybe it's him. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just it's just not. Yeah, it's just that there's there's not that like that uh, rally is... guy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scoot is sometimes, I don't know, we sort of have a theory that maybe these guys just don't know that these awards are being awarded. And if they did know, then they would try a little harder. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you happen to just casually drop into conversation, okay. hey, is, you know, is anybody in here feel like they're a front runner for bench celebrator man of the year? Maybe just, you know, dropping the idea out there and just walking away and they'll like, think about it and go, hmm, I really should be stepping up my game this year so I can win this what award? I do. That's that it. I do think that there are like teams that like that they like must talk about it because it's like coordinated bench celebration. Like, you know how like you you went, you know, I don't know, I don't know, like people realize in the NFL that like like receivers practice what how they're gonna celebrate. Like they obviously do. They have sometimes very elaborate coordinated touchdown celebrations. And in the NBA, I feel like bench celebrations are often like kind of in the same vein. Like sometimes you'll see that these guys talked about it ahead of time, like what kind of thing they want to do. Like remember when like Zach Collins used to slide off the bench and guys would like pick him up and you know like they, they did a lot of stuff that was like coordinated but it's hard for a team like this that like a lot of guys are new 
and you know like who's even like there like on the team like throughout the season has been varying quite a bit so they don't build that rapport to be like we're gonna do this yep. thing together um but you know it's like two-way guys are in and they're out and you know i wonder if actually two-way like the like the number of two-way guys makes it more challenging to coordinate bench celebration because you never know if you're going to be at a game you never know which games you're going to suit up for which ones you're going to be with the remix for like we also like have been signing guys randomly to like you know random contracts and you know by the end of the season the last few seasons it's like different guys are playing than the guys who started the season it's like really hard to get your like bench celebration vibes going when you don't know who's going to be on your bench each game. Yeah, there's there's two girls at Gonzaga who are my bench goats. I actually did a whole story on them because I noticed I was sitting next to the bench and I was like, oh my God, they have like a whole repertoire of celebrations and they had different celebrations for different plays. Oh, I love this. It was amazing. They're both on the team still, but now they both play. So I don't think they do it. They don't do it anymore. Oh um, my God. Least... Can you share a link to that story with us? Yes, I absolutely can. It, and I had them, I had them like model all of the celebrations for me. <gasps> so it was like, I was like, okay. So they're like, all right, somebody hits a three. We do this. Like somebody does this. It was amazing it was one of my favorite stories that i just kind of happened upon in spokane because i just happened to be sitting next to the bench shooting a women's basketball game and i was like this is amazing so yeah their freshman year they had i mean i think probably by the end of the year they probably had 12 to 15 different celebrations that were devoted to specific things it was incredible you're a woman after our own heart and honestly if the blazers just knew that they could win this award then um yes. i think i think that would go a long way a long I mean, way just just have the same amount of preparation as peyton muma and callie stokes okay guys like this is not hard you know peyton muma by the way sister of chad muma on the uh on the jacksonville jaguars so there you go ah, but very good yes so those two i was that that was that was one of my that was that was a that was a good story i'd say that's like in the top 15 of stories i did in spokane i love that one that one was really fun i will send you that link I love that they basically develop their own playbook, like a bench yes. playbook. Like, so they have like a playbook for like, you know, when they're in the game. And now you also have a playbook for when you're out of the game and you need to like hype up your team and show them, show them support. I mean, and these were intricate. They were not like, it was not just like, oh, like we high five after a three. No, like this was like, there was one where like, I know they would sit on the floor and pretend like they were rowing a boat. Um. There was, there was definitely like a fainting one. There was, I mean, there was, there was a lot of different ones. So it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty impressive. So I wonder wonder if certain college programs cultivate that culture more than others. Cause Zach Collins, when he was here, was a really good bench celebrator, man. And I wonder if Gonzaga has a really good culture around bench celebration. You know, I asked their head coach about it. There the woman's head coach about it. And she's like, man, I don't even know what's going on down there. Like (laughs) she was like, I look down the bench and like something weird is happening. And I don't, and you know, I've got, I've got 5 million other things to worry about. So I couldn't even tell you, but yeah, I guess they do stuff. But I mean, I, I don't know how this started. Like she was just like, whatever, like, you know, um, so, so yeah, I mean, these, these two are just unique. My one of them is injured this year, but, uh, 
earlier this they had like you know you know how college programs have that like video that's like they have like a question and then they the players answer the question and there's like a camera rolling or whatever the question was what's your what's your favorite game this year and this girl just went on a full rant about her favorite video game this year <laughs> one of the girls and then, then like the, there was somebody else that was with her they looked at her and they're like i think they're talking about like our favorite basketball game this year and she was like oh oops <laughs> like that's that's just the, this the personality of these two so um so anyways yeah i think it was just i think it was just kind of all of their own volition i'm not sure yeah i mean and you know the the women's and men's teams like two totally different programs up there so i don't i don't know I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's the type of personality we attracted to you. There you go. <laughs> we are kind of a laid back personality on this team. And so yes. like the chill players maybe aren't going to be so excited to like create their own bench playbook like like those like those girls. So shout out to those girls. Um, OK, so the next one. Oh, OK, so the next one is a little bit of an it's an iteration of a of a um award we did last year we had social media player of the year last year because we had a lot of guys who are active on social we noticed that this year a lot of the guys on the team are not as active on social as they used to be or maybe we're not on the right socials anymore because you know like like i don't think tara and i are on tiktok and you know maybe there's just all the content on tiktok and we just don't watch it so but this year we decided to make it social media play of the year and the idea is that if there's like a social media post or a social media event that happened that you could be nominated for social media play of the year. And a lot of us think back to like last year, the Damian Lillard tarmac rap and like mm. um, also everyone, I don't know like how, how plugged in you are last year, but like um, coach Rogers had a really funny um, like, I think it was like a, it was like a reel an Instagram reel where he was, was trying to sneak in like buzzwords like or a certain mm. word and with, make players say it. So he was like going around asking all the players like what pull Santa's sleigh or like trying to get them to say the word reindeer. It was like right around the holidays. Yeah. But everyone really loved that. And that really endeared like Coach Rogers to us. Um, but so it could be anything like any kinds of posts from the main like Trailblazers account from one of the players separate one of the fans, honestly, where like we saw like a really great post. Um, so anyway. Social media play of the year. And it's okay the if only, you don't have any. Yeah, the only thing that I can really think of off the top of my head that has been like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to think about like stuff that I have tweeted with Blazers. And the thing that the thing that jumps out to me was um, the Shade and Sharp soundbite about how he, uh, about Duncan on Wimby. That was really funny. Where he was like, or he's like, how tall is he? And they're like, seven, five or something like that. And he's like, whoa, like, you know, but like in like a very like downplayed uh, shade and sharp type of way. And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll try it. I'll, I'll try anybody. You know, That was really funny. Um, when I saw that, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so shaded. Um, so that was great. That's that's definitely, I think, my my favorite bite of the year from the Blazers so far. Um, yeah. Other than that, like, I don't know, man. I can't really think of anything. Else. Like you said, it's just not. It's not a social, active team. It's just not. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. Know. Well, that's 
totally fair. Um, yeah. There and maybe maybe the obvious one is is yet to come. You never know. Maybe. Um. You know those I, I'm trying Jennifer moments are like amazing, but to yeah. maybe for us to expect them to happen every year is a little unrealistic. <laughs> but you know what? we're gonna we're gonna try again. Maybe they don't know that this award is in play and they could be working a little harder for it. The next one is we calling it the Blazer Legend, and what that is is it's a category for former Blazers who do something interesting and or helpful and or just notable um after their blazer career it's Mm -hmm. kind of like the josh hart award after last year at this time by the way where the whole gary payton thing was happening and he Mm -hmm. stuck up for for the training for the training staff like this year i think one of the um uh Candidates is Rob. We should give to Robin Lopez for unsticking the ball during um, the Damien game. <laughs> so those are the kinds of things so that we're perfect. looking for. <laughs> that was so great. And Robin was like, Robin was also great in shoot around before um, the Damien Lillard game. He was just, it was so funny. We're standing there. Everybody's doing their thing. It's shoot around. And what's Robin Lopez doing? He's sitting on the bench reading a book. And I'm like, how many other NBA players are just sitting there reading a book in shoot around? And we walked up to him and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Yeah. Like, you know, talk to me about basketball. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, he he gave his thoughts on David and he was saying how excited he was to like even be in the arena for it as well. Like, he's like, I'm just excited I get to be here and watch it, you know? Um, that was, oh my gosh, that was such a great moment. You're totally right on that. By the way, speaking of Gary Payton, he was at Oregon State's game yesterday at Stanford. And so I may or may not have referred to him as Blazers legend, Gary Payton II. Um, oh, oh, that and, hurts. And then, oh, yeah. Not my Blazers was, legend. Not yeah, my Blazers And I was legend. like, you may have, you may sense some sarcasm in there. Yeah, that was like all five games he played in. Um, oh. And the mess he left on the way out. Yeah. I really did leave a mess. Um, uh, um, <laughs> so that that is funny that he came up when we were talking about this. Um, <laughs> man, Robin, Robin is a great, great candidate. You know, I have another one I've been thinking of is Yusuf Nurkic and just being willing to oh, be out my- there and fight Draymond Green in public. <laughs> and just fight everyone. Yeah. Man, that guy is the king of the Twitter zinger. like he you you don't know when it's gonna happen but every once in a while he will just get on there and absolutely murder someone with like five words (laughs) um which uh which is hilarious he loves to mix it up on there which is something we're missing this year um we stay on a petty king yeah oh he (laughs) loves it and respect for him I, i love it as well I'm trying to think. We we also have another nominee that we think of in terms of uh like a ride around the ice storm like drama mm-hmm. because Damon Stoudemire um stuck up for DeAndre Ayton talking about how you know hard it can be to get to the arena from the area mm-hmm. that DeAndre lives and he also brought up how a player in the past wasn't it it was Dale Damon Davis up, yeah he brought up the Dale Davis in the past tried to get the to the arena once and like was almost seriously injured 
it was very dangerous for him to get to the arena. So he's he basically um I don't know, he didn't subtweet. He I think he actually just tweeted at he, some he retweeted. Some yeah, he retweeted Dwight Janes. Yeah, that's right. And he just said that, you know, he gives DeAndre Ayton the benefit of the doubt that it was too dangerous for him to get to the arena that game. And I think that that was like really like nice because he, for some reason, like DeAndre Ayton was taking a ton of heat for this from a bunch of people. Well, Dwight James is local. He doesn't have an excuse, but like a lot of people aren't, weren't even here to know what the storm looked like. And they were all really criticizing him at the national level. I'm like, you don't even know what the city looks like right now. Like there's still a ton of trees down in my neighborhood. Yeah. And like, like power was out for days and days and days in some communities. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, well, you know, be on the lookout, and we yes. take we take these nominations all the way through to the end. Yes. of the thing. Yes. So, I think I think you're right on Robin right now having the having having the having the crown though. That was such a I totally had forgotten about that. Such a great moment. Ugh. It was also a fun way for him to insert himself into the game, which he did not play in. <laughs> yes, exactly. He did not see the floor, but he still made an impact. He's a free agent now, and I kind of wish we'd sign him just for the vibes. Him and Matisse Agreed. can have, like, a book club. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because they're both big readers. I would love to just have a mic'd up of Matisse and Robin on the bench. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be. <laughs> like, you know, but, but you know, Robin would be laying on the ground. Matisse would be talking from the bench. They'd be having all these analytical conversations. It'd be incredible. It needs to happen. I mean... If he Robin has a place here. He lives here in the off season. So this is not hard, Blazers. Just sign Robin Lopez, like you said, for the vibes alone. Yeah, that's uh Blazers Blazers legend Robin Lopez. Even if he doesn't win the award, he's still a Blazers legend to me, I will say, because the Robin Lopez years were really wonderful years. They were wonderful. Agreed. Okay, so the last award that we want to ask you about is um, award we call most valuable blazer mm. it's kind of open what that really means i think there is like it, it can be on the court it's we i think we, we thought about it as someone who does something for the team or on the court but it doesn't necessarily have to be about that it can be about all encompassing most valuable blazer for the season so far um you know, I keep coming back to it. Matisse is like my favorite player on this team. Um, because his his interviews, you know, I'm looking at this from a media perspective. His interviews are always fascinating. Um, but then he like does that thing with doo-wop, which was really cool and something he didn't need to do. He didn't he didn't have to he didn't have to do that. Um, I'm looking at the roster right now to make sure I'm not like missing anybody, but and I, I just find him to be just such a fascinating individual um and and like you said it's not just like on the court or off the you know it's it's all of the above um so yeah i i mean i would i would go with him from a media perspective because his interviews are actually interesting and not full of cliches so for me that's very valuable and then also i think that he just has this perspective that nobody else has on the team and the fact that he did that thing on, on doo-wop i like how many other nba players are like hey i want to make a documentary about my teammate or a half an hour you know whatever you want to call it about my teammate's life like that's not something that people i've never seen another nba player do something like that they're all doing podcasts 
you yeah. know, yeah. which is fine, but it's yeah. different when you're like really focused on just, you know, this one player. The other thing I like about Matisse, like basketball wise, is that he brings a, uh, like he is good at defense. He's like legitimately good at defense and he plays it like in a slightly different way. And I think mm-hmm. it's really great that he's there with all these young guys who are still learning the NBA and they can see that like defense isn't just about diving to the floor. Like, you know, cause I think a lot of, a lot of people like, you know, Gary Payton's amazing on defense. He just dies on the floor all the time. And half the time you're like, why are you diving for that ball? And it's like a, a waste of effort or it's, yeah. you know, and it's like Matisse plays very creatively and shows them that there's lots of different ways that you can play defense and you can like get your own signature moves or, or whatever. And it's not just about like running as fast as you can a hundred miles an hour with your hair on fire all the time. Yep. So for my purposes, for my very selfish purposes, we're going Matisse as most valuable player. There you go. My very sure. selfish niche media purposes, we're going, we're going Matisse. He's most valuable to me. Thank you, Matisse. That's a <laughs> fabulous perspective. <laughs> yes. And I also, I will say, um, Matisse is one of those players that he's like, he's, I think that he doesn't he's like been here a little bit but like we actually haven't gotten to know him like a whole lot because I feel like there's always been a focus on like focus on Dame focus on Scoot focus on Shaden focus on guys that are like you know kind of perceived to be more like face of franchise guys but I love a good defensive um, anchor and I was telling Tara like not that long ago that like I love that I don't have to trick myself into thinking Matisse is a great defender like he is a great defender I've had to sell (laughs) myself on a lot of guys as like this guy's a great defender for the Blazers like (laughs) Matisse is like yeah, a legitimately great defender. He was discovered for his defensive ability. He's a Pacific Northwest guy, which always feels like close. I feel close to and like, yeah. I don't know. I, lo- I love him too. He's wonderful. I was at that press conference at Summer League um, where he signed, where, you know, it was after he signed his deal. And I was like, how nice is it just to know that you're going to like, oh, wait, no. You know what? That was at, um, that was at uh, Media Day. I was like, just how nice is it to know that you're going to be somewhere? Like, and you're going to have a role and like, you're not going to have to, you know, like fight for things as much, you know, he's like, dude, I've been living out of a suitcase for the past, like eight months. He's like, I finally just got all my stuff here. Like last week, (laughs) you know? So it's just, it's cool to see somebody who is genuinely excited about being here. There's not many, let's be frank. Portland is not a destination city in the NBA, but he's genuinely excited about being here and he's embracing his role and he's really enjoying it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it to him. Thank right. you for liking us, Matisse. <laughs> Yay. Well, we got to wrap it up here. We've been going on, uh, having a great conversation, but I know that you have to, uh, be getting on down the road. We have a, one thing that we do at the end of every, uh, uh, podcast is we talk about what our takes are and you can have a take about anything we talked about, about anything, basketball, anything, non-basketball, whatever we're called. We have a take. And so we want to know what's your take. So, um, I will, I'll ask Rose to go first, give you a second to think about it if you want, uh, Rose, do you want to go? What's your take for this week? Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with a take that, um, just came to me last night. I found this burned CD in my house that I don't, it didn't label it. It's blank. I did, but it was like in a drive and I didn't know it was on it and I put it in and I discovered music that I had forgotten that I liked because I haven't burned CDs in like more than a decade and one of the songs that's on it is like 
literally gone from the internet. Like I, if I Google it, I can't even find it. And so what I'm here to say, my take is that physical media still has a role in this world. I still collect some amount of physical media. I, my husband would love me to get rid of all of our like physical, like Blu-ray discs and stuff um, that he often like rips and puts on our home media um, server so that we can just watch them and stream them to our TVs. And he's like, are you sure you don't want to get rid of those? Cause they're on huge, like they're in giant like bins under like beds and in closets and stuff. And we don't need them. But I'm like, you know what? No, because some days like, like some like movies or music or whatever will disappear off streaming platforms and we'll never be able to find it again. And that's an easy way for it to, for us to never be able to enjoy it again. So this song that's on here that doesn't exist on the internet anymore, I'm keeping it. Don't get rid of all your physical media just yet. Everybody hang on to it because sometimes it's a little nice time capsule to find one day. And also it's wild, by the way, that the internet forgets about anything, but it totally does. Like this was once a song that I could listen to and stream and whatever. And now it's nowhere. So except for on this disc. Okay. We need to know what song it is though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's called Kings and it's by an indie rapper from Chicago who does not, so far as I know, does not have anything in the world anymore. Um, it's, I think it's called Illuminate Mics is what it's called. Um, or it's like is the is the duo. It's a duo, and then it's featuring a woman whose name I don't know because I can't search for it because it's not on the internet anymore. And this is on an unlabeled burn CD, just cut, just titled track one. So, um, oh, so you don't even know anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Well, but it's but the song is called King. At least you have at least you have the song. Very yes. good. Okay, love that take. Love that take. Um, my take is very simple. And uh, it comes from having watched uh, Delano Banton play a couple games now. Tall point guards are fun. That's it. Tall point guards <laughs> are fun. I love it. I have, I, have, I have no beef with that take whatsoever. Who's the tallest point guard? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jokic. <laughs> point center. Point guards, I feel like, like, the point position is evolving in the NBA where like, it's not necessarily a guard anymore. I go, is Shea, is, is Shea Gilgis Alexander considered a point guard? Yeah, he's a point guard. But like Josh Giddy's their point guard. Who's also mm -hmm. big, by the way, a tall yeah. point guard. Again, tall point guards are fun. Yeah. Okay. Right. Brenna, what's your take? Okay. Okay. Um, does the sun coming out in the city make people drive like psychopaths? That's my take. Uh, the last, I had a friend that was in town Thursday and Friday, and I swear to God, we nearly died like three times and or got in accidents while I was on the road. I don't know what was going on with people. I do not know what in your right mind thinks that you can just come over in the middle of traffic and cut me off and then lean out of the car and flip me off when you're getting into my lane. What did I do to you? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if you're a semi. When I get into a lane, I'm very clearly in the lane and I'm right behind you. I don't know. What makes you think that you're you have the right of way to come over and try to cut me off and nearly pin me up against the the wall of the the freeway? That happened. Um, I'm not sure what is what was going on Thursday and Friday in this city, but I had like at least 
I mean, I can think of three right off the top of my head incidents of people just driving like crazy, but then like also like people not staying in their lanes. Like people, I when I was driving to UP, I literally, there was a cone in the middle of the road that was just there that I had to drive over. It's like, like I was just like, what is going on? So I don't know. I, I guess the sun comes out in this city for the first time and everyone just gets aggressive. I don't know what was happening on the roads. I was over it. I was done. Like, so yeah, so there you go. Um, I My take is that apparently the sun makes people drive like psychopaths. Maybe people in Portland um, don't have their sunglasses out of storage yet because we yeah. all put them away for the winter and they're all driving like where they kind of can't like, see. Oh, what, what is that? Very the, well the one that was the most egregious was the person who literally got within inches of causing a car accident. Mm. And like, well, I don't know. The semi was pretty egregious, too. The semi and the person who came into my lane. And then, like I said, the passenger was leaning out of the front door, flip, uh, flipping me off. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Where did I do something wrong here? Like, you're the one that is injecting yourself here. So anyways, yeah, um, I felt like I was on an episode or I was, I was in Final Destination and was just trying to survive the Portland road waves the last two days. So and normally this sounds pretty chill, but uh, not the case. It's not the case the last few days. So well, we got storms coming, so you won't have to worry great. about it. <laughs> Everybody can chill out. <laughs> Everybody can chill out, man. Oh, well, Brenna, this has been so much fun getting to know you and talking about your experiences and talking about the Blazers. Can you tell people where they can find your work? Yeah, um, very easy on both Instagram and Twitter at Brenna Green underscore. Um, I am on coin. Uh, I anchor normally Fridays and Saturdays, but things are going to get pretty funky in the month of March uh, because we have NCAA tournament games to cover. So, uh, but I will still be on air. I just might not be on the desk per se. Um, and yeah, uh, I am, I, you know, I, I'm the one in our sports department that goes out and covers a lot of events. So if you're at a big time event, most likely big time sporting event, most likely I will be there. So come up and say hello. So awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Rose, and thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast. We can be found at We Have a Take. I can be found at TCB Biggs, and Rose can be found at Rose L. Harding. And uh, thanks again for listening, and go Blazers! <laughs>